Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. It is February 8th, 2022. Joining me, John Schofield, the host of the show, is Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capital Gazette, and Chris Cervello is our producer. Uh, we are breaking down today, like we did last week uh, with the men's team. We're going to do a deep dive of the women's team with special guest Ashley Pelzik, class of 06, team captain from back then, talking about Tim Taylor's ladies and how they can make the most of this last month of the season and we're also going to break down what the men's team did after what we thought was a pretty critical moment against uh against lehigh when they really broke down in the last four and a half minutes really under three minutes gave up the lead gave up a very huge win on the road that would have helped them greatly in terms of seating but like they did against army or after army they bounced back with one of those wins down the stretch against Loyola. Bill Wagner was there, and we'll walk us through that. And then Bill and I were there last night as they had a quick turnaround after two days to play a homer against the fighting Fran O'Hanlon's. Fran O'Hanlon coaching his possibly last game in Alumni Hall based on uh, Patriot League seating uh, and that tournament. Uh, but possibly Fran O'Hanlon's last game in Alumni Hall as he's retiring at the end of the season. So before we bring in Pell's, uh, and before we talk about an amazing Naval Academy sports weekend, Wags, let's talk about the men's team. Uh, you drove up to Loyola on Saturday. You watched kind of a frenetic finish. Tyler Nelson finishing off the Greyhounds with a big win. Um, what was what stood out to you during that game? And how do you think the success in that game, getting that like that boogeyman off of their back about how they couldn't, you know, close out close games at the end. How do you think they, that informed how well they played last night? Well, the Loyola victory was critical on a number of levels. First, it was the uh, initial meeting between Navy and Loyola, uh, obviously on the road at Reeds Arena in Baltimore. You get that and you have a chance to sweep Loyola, which is one of those teams at the top of the conference standings. And that would be another team that you own a tiebreaker over. So that's critical because Navy does not have the tiebreaker with Lehigh, obviously, because they were swept in that series. Um, really great game, John. It was a great, tremendous atmosphere up there at Reeds Arena. Best I've seen in all the games I've covered up there. Uh, student section turned out, you know, great turnout of the, of the students. And uh, it was loud. And, you know, it was an exciting game back and forth. Uh, you know, lots of lead changes. And it really came down at the end. Cam Spencer banked in a short shot uh, to give Loyola the lead with, uh, I guess it was about 28 seconds or something like that. And then Navy pushed the ball up the floor and got the ball to Jalen Walker on the baseline. And he hit a short little medium range jumper with 11 seconds left to give Navy the one point lead. Loyola pushed the ball up floor, 
called timeout, and they set up a play, but it was John Carter Jr. made a great defensive play of denying Cam Spencer. They knew the ball was going to go to Spencer, who's the leading scorer in the Patriot League, by the way, at 19 points a game. And John Carter knocked the ball out of bounds, which kind of ruined their their play they had set up for the game-winning shot. Uh, Spencer did get off a shot at the end, a really long three that bounced off the back iron, and that was it. That was it. And it was a great win for Navy. You could tell by the way they celebrated on the court, a road victory, as you mentioned, closing out a tight ball game, making the plays at the end on both the offensive and defensive end. It was a very, very important win and an uplifting win, John. And then only one-day turnaround. They Basically, Sunday, uh, Ed DeCellis said that Navy didn't even practice because he needed the kids to rest. They just played a game Saturday evening. So they only did a walkthrough and film study, kind of reviewed Lafayette, but then they're playing again Monday. That game was originally scheduled for Wednesday of this week, John, but it was pushed up to Monday to accommodate national television. CBS Sports Network was there uh, Monday night, and uh, that was another good win for the Mids. Yeah, it was awesome seeing John Sadak and CVS uh, giving the mids their uh, their deserved love. And, and yeah, you look at the Patriot League standings now. I mean, Colgate is standing up there at 8-2, and two, but they still have some games to make up. And the win last night for Navy um, puts them at 9-4 and four and really put that white space. They're two games up on um, Army, BU, Loyola, and Lehigh. Uh, in the win column, they're all at seven and five, and Navy is now at nine and four. And we all know what is happening this weekend as they travel up to the banks of the Hudson River to play the Star Game uh, against Army uh, there in West Point. So, you know, the Star Games, we'll use this as a segue. Uh, the Star Games have gone pretty well for us this season. Um, and we were very, very happy to be there on Saturday as Navy went 4-0 and against Army. They clinched the N-Star series, the N-Star series presented by USAA, uh, at the earliest point in the history of the series. Navy is now, wrap your head around this, Navy is now 17-2 and against Army in all contests and 13-1 and in star contests. And and I was joking with Matt Munley as we were watching Sing Second Sports alum and intern Hannah Munley compete for GW Gymnastics on Sunday. Matt Munley and I were discussing that it's really hard luck that the one loss in the star contest was by Paco Labrador and the volleyball team. And they turned around and beat Army twice in other non-star contests during the season. But what an incredible, incredible day. Rifle men's track and field. We were there to watch Alex Rizzo almost break four minutes on the mile. Uh, gymnastics was a ton of fun. Uh, the ability of Ward Carroll to capture imagery and video on the gymnastics uh, mats was was unquestioned and, and uncanny in its skill. And then women's track and field took it to Army as well. So an unbelievably great weekend and really the only blemish on the weekend, which included a women's win, against Loyola at Alumni Hall was lacrosse. And and Wags, you and Ward were there for lacrosse. What did you observe as the mids took the field for the first time on what I would call a blustery and cold day? Some people would use more kinetic adjectives. 
but what did you see, you know, in, in the one kind of bummer of the weekend, which was the lacrosse loss? Well, yeah, I mean, lacrosse on February 5th, it's, it's getting crazy. I mean, lacrosse used to start in early March, and that's really when it should be. But, uh, you, yeah, I could go on and on about this. But basically, college lacrosse coaches think they're coaching football and that they can only play once a week. It used to be the college lacrosse played twice a week. That's why they didn't have to have the season start in February. Um, but uh, 31 degrees, 25 to 30 mile hour winds. Um, Mount St. Mary's came to Navy and basically had nothing to lose. Nobody expects Mount to beat Navy on its home field. So they played loose. Uh, they, they I, really sad to say that they out hustled and outworked Navy. That should never happen. Um, and you know, Navy was sloppy. They threw the ball away. They, they they had 20 shots that were not on goal. There's, you know, errant shooting. The Mountain Mary's goalie made 21 saves, but a lot of those shots that were, they were routine saves because they came on shots that were from the deep perimeter not high percentage shots. Uh, just not a good day for Navy, not a good start to the season. They got a lot of work to do. Uh, Coach Joe Amplo and uh, I, the players that were brought to the post-game press conference with Coach were Pat Skowniak and Jackson Bonnets, and they were all very grim-faced. They, they knew that that was, that was not a very good performance for Navy men's lacrosse. They got a lot of work to do before they played Mercer on Saturday, John. Yeah, very true. It, it looked sluggish. It sort of looked, to bring us back to the Lafayette game last night, it looked very much like the first half that Navy basketball played against Lafayette last night. But for lacrosse, it was the entire game. They, they would chip away. The own goals were, were tough. They gave up an own goal. In fact, uh, Strassmeyer and, and uh, Stacy and, and you and me were actually talking to them in the press box about it. And you know, they gave up an own goal on a ricochet when they had an extra man. Um, I can't recall that happening a ton in, in my lacrosse uh, history, but yeah, it was, it was just really difficult to watch. And then the, the bounces really did not go their way. And then you add on that, the trifecta of how unbelievably bad the weather was. I mean, it was sunny, but God, it was cold. You know, that, that turns into a loss, right? Yeah, actually, Navy gave up two own goals, and uh, it was actually the defenseman, Nick Lacalzi, a first-year starter, who was involved with both. Um, and they also gave up two man-down goals. In other words, Navy was up a man, and, and actually they were up two men in one situation. So these are things that should never happen. That's four goals. In an 11-9 game, that's four goals that you pretty much gave away. So... That's how you lose the game to Mount St. Mary's. Um, I did want to comment about the uh, that whole star Saturday. That was I wrote a story about it because I could not believe the Navy had clinched the star series on February 5th. That's unheard of. Normally, the star series goes down to the wire. And as Chuck Gladshuck said when I interviewed him, it's normally normally not determined until April or May. And so, I mean, I, this is just total dominance. I mean, these are supposed to be two service academies that are extremely evenly matched across the board in all sports. So it just goes to show that the emphasis that the athletics department places on beating Army, the coaches know it, the players know it. It is a priority. Everyone is made aware that this is a priority above all else to beat Army. And 13 to 1 at this point now, 
Uh, there's still men's and women's basketball this Saturday, as you mentioned. There's wrestling. And then we haven't even gotten to the spring sports. So uh, this it, it'll be interesting, John, to see how far this goes. I mean, could you imagine Navy finishing like 20 and one in the Star Series? I can. Um, I, I would love to see that yard arm out there by gate one near Bill the Goat weighed down with all the pennants of the stars that we've seen. So, you know, I, I can definitely see it. And, and obviously the, the alligator closest to the boat, so to speak, is this coming weekend when the women and the men uh, take on Army up at West Point. Um, let's review some last ones before we go to break and bring in Pels to uh, talk about women's basketball more. Wrestling had a very good week last week. They defeated Bucknell and Clarion. 21-12 over Bucknell, defeated Clarion 33-8. We talked about women's track and field. Super awesome. You know, like, let's talk about the environment again. On Saturday, there were mids and parents and fans and sponsor parents and everyone everywhere. Like, it was my first gymnastics meet, and that was an electric atmosphere inside a Halsey Fieldhouse there. As people might not know, they're renovating McDonough, thank God, and now gymnastics is in Halsey, and it was just a great atmosphere. Great atmosphere in Wesley Brown for women's track as they defeated Army 94-87. to 87. Men's track defeated Army 101-80. to 80. Again, watching Alex Rizzo run that mile was super fun. Women's tennis, by the way, undefeated, stomped on Georgetown and on St. Joe's last week. Shout out to you uh, there, Joe Cook from the St. Joe's Fighting Hawks. Uh, they dropped one to women's tennis, and women's tennis is undefeated on the year. Uh, men's tennis also defeated St. Joe's and added in defeats of Coppin State and Georgetown. They did drop one to Penn, and they stand at 6-2 and two for the year. Shout out to Squash. Um, they had a tough week. Um, they lost to Franklin Marshall, Drexel, and Dickinson. And then, yeah, like how about Army, uh, or Rifle rather, defeating Army to win that N-Star. Just an absolutely great day. And we talked about gymnastics and the basketball results as well. So here we are. We've already won the star. All we have to do is keep kicking ass for the rest of the year, and we're going to make sure we do that. Let's start with women's basketball. And when we come back after the break, Ashley Pelzik of the class, great class of 06, will join us to break down the women's season so far. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. The Sing Second Sports podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar in Annapolis. Whether it's the burger of the day in an old-fashioned or a Cabernet and their Cuban sandwich, which is my favorite, be sure to check out both locations when you come to town to catch a basketball game or lacrosse game here this winter and fall. That's Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar on Main Street in Annapolis. Now back to the pod. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Time to break down women's basketball. We broke down men's basketball last week, and we've seen how they've turned some frowns upside down after the Lehigh debacle. Now let's break down Tim Taylor's women's team. Number one, shout out to Sierra Hurtelendi and Jen Coleman for picking their ships the other night during ship selection night. They were obviously so buoyed by how kick-ass life as a slow is that they went out and defeated Loyola 61 to 54 
at home. Now, with that win, we still have an issue. The team right now, as we record this on February 8th, stands at 7-14, and 4-7 four and seven in the conference, on the wrong side of conference seating if they really want to make a run. While their win streak is at 1, they still own a very quizzical 4-9 and nine home record, while their away record is a tad better at 3-5. and five. We've talked about the lack of depth. We've talked about the lack of scoring to assist Jen Coleman. And we've talked about how great Jen Coleman has been as the double-double machine. But Pels, we've got about a month left in this season. Um, as we counted up, including the you know very important Army game on Saturday, but let's not forget about their trip up to Lafayette tomorrow. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games left in this Patriot League season. What have you seen so far and how can they use what you've seen so far to make these last seven games a bit better? Yeah, thanks. Uh, So what I think they're doing at least, well, start with some positives there. You know, they're trending, I would say, in a slightly better direction. I I saw them in person out at BU at one of their opening Patriot League games, and and that just wasn't a pretty game to watch. Uh, Not, you know, unbalanced scoring. BU came at them hard. I know BU is one of the top teams in the league, so you know, understood there, but it was just a really difficult game for them. You know, there was no inside scoring presence. Uh, they were, their shooting presence from the outside was streaky. Jennifer Coleman sort of had to do everything she could just to keep them within reasonable striking distance, um, which they were sort of able to do a little bit in the third quarter. But other than that, again, just it didn't look like they're on the same page. Just No one was clicking. And I think the thing I'll say about that is from that game to the army game, you know, they were, they looked like a different team. So, you know, played much army, much stronger. I know army is not, you know, as good of a team as BU, but you saw the team that you wanted to see. They fought hard. Uh, they were resilient. You know, they didn't let get, you know, they were up most of the game, but when they went down they fought back and clawed back in. Um, and that was an exciting team to watch. And then, you know, a few days later they played BU again and it was a much closer game than the first time around. Um, so, you know, they're, they're sort of trending in that right direction. They're also scoring a bit more as a team. Again, not not a ton more, but you know you're regularly seeing them score in the 60s and up. Um, again, that's how they're going to win games. Uh, you touched on it perfectly. The the lack of balanced scoring is what's been hurting them. And you've even seen a couple players uh, claw back into the over 10 points per game average with uh, with Watts. Um, you know, which is sort of which is really what you need there. Um, so yeah, so I think as a whole, big picture, they're starting to play. You know, a better uh, they're, they're getting a little bit more balance from the team and they're playing a few teams at the bottom of their conference uh, from here on out. So I think you mentioned seven games left. They basically got Army and then everybody below them one more time. Um, and then if they can pull off an upset against one of the other teams uh, that they're playing, whether that's uh, Holy Cross or, um, you know, one of those other teams towards the top of the, of the league, I think they can really finish this out strong and maybe even finish, you know, in the top half if, if they play well. Yeah. So, you know, here he was talking about it during the men's segment that it's almost completely flipped for them. You know, their remaining schedule is everyone that they have to beat to maintain uh, that positioning at the top of the Patriot League, whereas the women now have a great opportunity to play some home games, to reverse that curse with home games and get themselves above that halfway mark um, in the Patriot League. Talk to me, Pels, before I turn it over to Wags. This is this is Coach Taylor's second season. Hasn't really had the ability to kind of inject his recruits. You had the, you know, kind of the diaspora at the beginning with Colby leaving. 
you know, how, how do you view, you know, his impact on this program thus far as, you know, in terms of present day? Yeah, I think that that's a great point. You know, it's, 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 a, it's been a, definitely a rebuild for a bit. He's, a, you know, stepped right into that. What I do say is, is from what I can tell, they really like him. Um, he's done an excellent job uh, with just really, really being able to fit into the academy environment, which is a really difficult thing to do. Um, he seems to to care a ton. In fact, at times, I think one of the things they lack on the bench, and I, and I heard, you know, Harry talking about this with the men's team last week, they lack sort of that spark where, you know, back, you know, when I was playing, as soon as somebody came off the floor, the whole team was up, everybody was giving them a high five, you know, giving them some sort of confidence, regardless of how the game was going. So we didn't really let the, you know, any negativity or really any, you know, big momentum shifts get away from us making sure that the team was taken care of. And I, and I see a ton of energy coming out of Coach Taylor. I don't always see that translating, whether that's across the bench or out onto the court. And so I think there's still a little bit of them getting used to one another and really understanding that dynamic. Um, and, you know, but I think as far as his commitment to the team, that's been very obvious um, and, and how much he cares about it. That's certainly, that's certainly there. So now it's just a matter of, you know, the team gelling a bit more, getting some more experience. Um, and, and really starting to come together, which I think is something that, that Pemper had, you know, that was what, part of the reason that the Navy teams of her era were so successful was the, the, the community that they built and how close those teams were. Um, and I'm not sure that's there right now with this current Navy team. And I think that's, that's something that Navy women's basketball teams over the years have always had. Um, and that's, that's a large part of their success uh, is just is how well they play together. That's an incredibly good point. Wow. Well, Pels, I think you kind of nailed it as far as what's – they got six games remaining in the Patriot League, and they got to get on a roll. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule. Two losses, a win. Two losses, a win. No consistency. Not able to string wins together. They've got six games remaining. Obviously, the big one up at West Point, got to get that. Um, you know, American, Holy Cross, Loyola, Colgate, Lehigh. I mean, do you sense – I mean – it's so hard to get a read on this team. They have a good win and then they lose a couple. And it's just, I just feel like um, they're just, I, I'm not sure what they have to do to try to string some wins together. No, I, I completely agree. It's funny. I think one of the things that's plaguing them the most is also potentially a strength. You don't, other than Coleman, you don't really know where a big game is going to come from. Uh, and so I think what they need to do to start stringing games together is just build some consistency. I said this last time I was on, which was a while back now. Um, you know, you see a few players who have it. I, you know, I love the way Lindsay Llewellyn plays. She played phenomenally against Army and obviously had the big game winner. Um, she played really well in the BU game. It was a bit quiet, but she's just a pretty fierce player. Um, but the, the, what I see with the Navy team that I, you know, that I think is an issue with them the most is they don't have a dominant inside presence. And other than Jen Coleman, who's sort of everywhere at all times somehow, they don't really have that really excellent shooting, you know, presence out there either. That. Navy teams of the past, we've always had strong three-point shooters. We've, that's always sort of been one of our, our, our strengths. And so if you're not having to guard them really tough inside and you're also not concerned about them shooting the three or, or being an extremely good shooting team, you know, they become a fairly easy team to guard because um, they also don't have a significant transition presence either. So they've got to start figuring out which one of those areas at least they can sort of pick on and, and make it a strength. Um, Coleman can't keep doing it all, even though she has been. Um, it's just it's just not a recipe for enough points to wit to beat some of these teams. And I think also, you know, Navy have been so good for so long, even though they've been, they've had a rough few seasons, they still have a target on their back. You know, some of these teams 
Lafayette, for example, you know, we didn't lose to them for years. Um, and now, you know, they're building some confidence. They still see Navy as one of those sort of, um, uh, you know, generational teams, if you will, that were there throughout the, the 2000s time period. Um, the same way we viewed Holy Cross. They were always good. Even if they had a down season, that was the team you wanted to beat um, because historically they had been so good. So I think Navy has a bit of that on their, on their shoulders too. Um, but I think to your point, Bill, the way they can get that, that is, you know, beat Army again, you know, get your confidence back um, and then turn that into a couple wins in a row and start finding some of those strengths. And, and I think, again, I think they're trending that way. I've, I've seen a lot better, um, you know, a lot uh, a more, I guess, team play from them in the last few games. They just need to continue to string those together. Well, so it's interesting. I have uh, talked kind of off the record with Coach Taylor about recruiting and he feels very good. I mean, this will be his first true recruiting class coming up. He didn't have he and his staff didn't have much time to get people in this year, but next year they've got a large recruiting class. And I know he mentioned several big girls, like six, two, six, three, six, four in that range. So obviously he felt like they needed more size, which they do. They're undersized across the board, but you look at losing Jennifer Coleman. I mean, that's a lot of points. That's your leader. I'm really curious as to where points are going to come from next year and not, not knowing anything about who's coming in, whether there's some, freshman superstar that's going to contribute something we don't expect but some of these players are going to have to step up i'm looking at mimi schrader had some good games inconsistent um amani edmonds uh she's a defensive more defensive oriented player not a not a scorer sam schofield wants to like you know schofields are inconsistent um they, he likes Savannah that's Lewis. Not, for Frank. That's not true. <laughs> that you are impugning my Lily White character. Schofields are highly athletic and dependable. <laughs> uh, Savannah Lewis, he likes her, the freshman. Uh, Morgan Andrews has had her moments. Christina Donza. So, I mean, there's a lot of young players. And you mentioned Lindsay Llewellyn, who has shown flashes, but being able to score in double figures, but doesn't do it regularly. And then Sidney Watts, who really – Going into next year, the one player you can say is you can count on probably is Sydney Watts because she's proven it. But I mean, that's a lot of names I've mentioned of juniors and sophomores that are coming back. People got to step up next year, don't you think, Pels? Yeah, absolutely. And and maybe it's one of those things too, where because Coleman is scoring so much, a few other players just you know aren't maybe playing the way they're capable of. You see that often, you know, a lot of times too. I think when we lost the class of 04, for example, we lost three 1,000 point scores. Um, so, you know, two excellent post players with Rossetti and Mislowski. Uh, we had Shimoda and, and uh, Courtney Davidson. Re- realistically, all those players would have been the best player on the team, um, you know, without the others around. So there, there was a huge drop off, but what it led to was a bunch of us sort of looking around at each other and saying, all right, we finally have a shot. Let's do this. You know, we had Abby Campbell left. Um, we had Lauren Skrell. And we sort of went from being, you know, maybe two to three, four points per game. And we all sort of assumed those roles and and had relative success as a team. And I think maybe, you know, that'll be the case here where they sort of, you know, hit the locker room at the end of this year and and, and in the next preseason. And it's it's on them. Um, And maybe they start to step up and and bring back, you know, some of the they're, you know, they're all recruited for a reason. These players were all excellent high school players at some point, all capable of scoring. Um, So now it's a matter of them sort of finding that in themselves again and it. And it starts with the preseason. It starts with getting in the gym, you know, staying afterwards, extra shooting practice, all of those things that made our teams, you know, successful because we liked playing and we loved having each other. 
step up into those into those roles. So, you know, I'm hopeful for that. And, you know, maybe you throw one or two freshmen into the mix that push them for their roles. You know, maybe they feel a bit threatened uh, to, to keep a starting position and, and that, you know, positive competitiveness, uh, you know, drives some of those other players into a more prolific scoring role. So we'll, I guess really time will tell in this instance. So Pel- well, we should, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, we shouldn't look ahead to Army just yet because Navy does play Lafayette Wednesday. I should not overlook that they have a game before they go, uh, can start thinking about Army West Point. Um, I was going to have uh, Chris Cervello, our producer, got anything for Pels? Well, it's always great to have Pels on. And this is such a great segment. I enjoyed Mike Keery last week, you know, giving the midseason review and then kind of peeking towards the end of the season. And, um, you, you know, your knowledge of the team is certainly helpful. Um, as you look to the end of the season, what for you would make this season, you know, if it's not wins and losses, but what would make this a success for you? You know, if, uh, if they're able to do what fill in the blank, you, you know, this season isn't a total loss and helps them build into next year. Yeah, that's an excellent question and a tough one to answer. I think, I think it is getting a few wins under their belt towards the end, right? So the, whatever the momentum is from the season, certainly going to carry into the off season. Um, it'll, it'll carry into their spring workouts. It'll, it'll fall, you know, then lend itself into their uh, fall workouts when they get back to school. So I think for that, it is to find a way to win, string together a few wins. I mean, I think, I think the best case scenario is, you know, they beat all the teams that are sort of in that lower half of the Patriot league, surprise somebody else, and then maybe even get a, a surprise win on the road because during the Patriot league playoffs, because remember, you know, if they end up in sort of that middle of the pack, they start, they play somebody else usually in the middle of the pack, depending on where they end up. Um, so, you know, getting to the end of the season with a, maybe a 500 plus record from here on out. Um, and then being able to have a, have a strong performance in that Patriot league playoff, uh, you know, season will be really, really positive for them because they, you know, they are in a rebuild in a lot of ways. Um, and they are trying to find their source of truth, if you will, it's a bummer that it happened when Jen Coleman's a senior and they couldn't take advantage of that more. Um, but you know, she has, she's given everything she has to this organization. So I think a good, a great dedication and send off for her too, would be to surprise a few folks here at the end of the season and give that team some confidence. Well, to, to piggyback on that, Pels, like what a great thing to see that uh, for the end of the season. And there are only finite number of opportunities uh, to see Jen Coleman before she graduates and to cheer on this women's team. And, and as I say this, I'll make my weekly plea, not only to the brigade, but to the local area to come out to Alumni Hall, come out to Wesley Brown, come out to all these home venues and cheer on the team. Like hats off to the football team last night who came to the men's game and they were sitting behind like basically pretty close to the, uh, to the Lafayette bench and were just giving it. To Lafayette during warmups, like it was fantastic. Like, and good banter, not being idiots about it, but like a healthy amount of taunting to show that there's some school spirit around here. Like, please come out and check out uh, Jen Coleman and these ladies as they finish the season strong. Like Wag said, two tough roadies here at Lafayette tomorrow night and at Army for the Star on Saturday, but then Wednesday, February 16th, American comes calling. You can see them then. After two more tough roadies, they get Colgate and Lehigh to finish off the season on February 26th and March 2nd. So please, please, please come out and see this team play. Support them. Pels, 
Number one, thank you for being back. I'm sorry it's been so long, but we love seeing your face and we love hearing the analysis. Number two, thank you for that analysis. And we'll be sure to talk to you and bring you back when the season's over. And hopefully we talk about a pretty good win streak and a surprise, uh, you know, surprise march to uh, possibly a Patriot League tournament championship. Yeah, you love to see it. Thanks for having me. Stay a pleasure as always. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Ashley Pelzik, former Navy aviator, former Navy basketball player. We are going to go to break. When we come back, Chris, Wags, and I will bring this baby out. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, it is critical that you get out and support your Navy midshipmen. The men's and women's basketball team, they'll be away from Alumni Hall for their next two games. But Coach Tim Taylor and the Navy women's team returns to Alumni Hall on February 16th, that's a Wednesday, against American University. Then the men come back on Saturday, February 19th against Holy Cross. Tickets for both games are available by visiting NavySports.com or calling 1-800-US-4-NAVY. That's 1-800-US-4-N-A-V-Y. Now, switching to lacrosse. The women's lacrosse team kicks off their 2022 season this Friday at 3 p.m. against the Cal Bears at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. So make sure you come out and support Coach Cindy Timschel and the Navy women's lacrosse team. Then the men return to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium this Saturday for a noon game against Mercer. Tickets are $10 for adults and $5 for children. Go to NavySports.com to buy tickets today. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Great podcast today. Um, always awesome talking to Pels. Great breaking down the women's team. It was great seeing all these athletes celebrate what was a pretty phenomenal weekend. But you know, getting to know this women's basketball team more and getting to root for them and getting to see how they bounce back from losses. It's great to have Pels and her experience to break that down. So thanks to her. Uh, we talked about what a great weekend it was. The week that will be is pretty quiet. Like we said, the women travel up to Lafayette for that tricky midweek roadie. Um, and then on Friday, the men and the women from track and field get right back to it in Lynchburg for the Darius Dixon Memorial Invitational. And let's not forget that you bring in the weekend strong on Friday with women's lacrosse opening the season against the Cal Golden Bears. This is your reminder that we will have another pod this week featuring Reagan Roloffs, teammate of a woman named Jill Eby, not Gil Eby. And Jill, if you were listening to this, I've butchered your name like 10 times. I'm very sorry. Going forward, I know that it's Jill Eby, but we are going to have Reagan Roloffs and coach Cindy Timschel to give us the women's lacrosse preview show later on this week before they take on Cal on Friday. Before we go out, Wags, another Naval Academy athlete had sort of a nice Sort of a nice week, you know, no big deal. He had the practice, uh, you know, the, uh, not the practice, but he had, you know, the tackle on the quarterback during the East-West Shrine game. And then they kind of gave him some uh, hardware at the end. What can you tell us about that? Well, Diego Fago was outstanding throughout the East-West Shrine week. Uh, they had three or four practices prior to the game. He excelled in the practices. Was seeing some of the dispatches of people posting video from practice showing Diego doing filling the hole and jacking up running backs and dropping into pass coverage and 
and deflecting passes away. He was fantastic. The uh, uh, Ravens uh, assistant coach, uh, Wilkins, was the defensive coordinator for the East team, and he had nothing but high praise for Diego and what he did all week. Uh, they talked about him being the loudest defensive player out there on the practice field as far as communicating, just as he did at Navy, being a leader on the field, being a, a guy calling out signals and helping other defenders get lined up. He really helped to stock. And, uh, you know, and you can do well in the practices, but you got to go prove it in the game. And he did. He had a great game, eight tackles and a sack. And everyone saw on social media the incredible hit he put on the quarterback. The uh, uh, It was a passing play. And Diego had uh, flared out to the sideline to cover a running back coming out of the backfield. And then he looked back and the quarterback was scrambling for out of the pocket, looking downfield. And Diego came off of the running back and just totally jacked up this quarterback. I mean, he laid him out, uh, and it was a perfect hit, and it was legal. He got low so as to make sure it wasn't helmet-to-helmet or uh, flagrant in any way, uh, but he, the quarterback wasn't looking. He was looking downfield. He never even saw Diego, and he paid the price, but just really, really helped his stock. I mean, we have all watched this now for four years. We've known this guy had great talent and potential, and he went to the East-West Shrine game, and he proved it. Uh, his stock is soaring after what he did out there in Las Vegas, John. Awesome hit. Awesome week for Diego Fugos. Circle your calendars, ladies and gentlemen. First night of the NFL draft, day one, round one, Thursday, April 28th. Probably not going to hear Diego's name that day. Rounds two and three on April 29th, not out of the question. And then the draft ends on Saturday, April 30th. So as Diego's getting ready to take finals and get out of there and start intercessionals and commissioning week uh he's going to be wondering what team is going to call his name so let's hope that it happens um great conversation today many thanks to ashley pelzik again uh many thanks to the navy football team shout out to you for coming out and supporting men's basketball last night shout out to all the mids out there to do that for all these home games let's finish this winter and spring sports season strong and let's sing second. For Chris and Wags and Ward, I'm John. We're out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play -play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.